This week I was over in Kroll and I was catching up on some of the news over there, some of the latest news from Ford County. Uh, now there's not a lot of news in Ford County, but I did catch up on some of it. The most interesting thing I heard, uh, evidently last week uh, in the coffee shop, and really it's the pharmacy, it's the place where the, all the men gather to drink coffee, and there's probably another word for it, but I'm just going to say they drink coffee there. But there in this, in this pharmacy where they're drinking coffee, a, a disagreement occurred, and it seems that two men there were talking about politics, and they were talking about President Trump, and evidently just like the rest of the country is divided, evidently they're divided uh, there in Kroll. And these two guys were divided, and a discussion began, and then the discussion began to be heated, and then the discussion became an argument, and the argument actually became a fight. And these two men, they left the pharmacy and they went across the street to the courthouse lawn there to settle their fight. Now, that's a true story. Evidently in Kroll, that's still how you do it. <laughs> and they started the fight there and I, I'm not sure however long it lasted, but the fight ended when the 84-year-old landed a blow on the 71-year-old and put him down in the courthouse lawn. <laughs> true story. And they say they went back in and they finished their coffee and went on about their day. <laughs> Guy was telling me that story, said the 84-year-old, I said the 84-year-old, 84-year-old is pretty salty. And I said, evidently so, evidently he must be. And as I was driving back, I was thinking about what it is to be salty. And does a person really want to be salty? Now, I know a person doesn't want to be greasy, and I know for a man, you do not want to be sugary. And I know all people do not want to be crusty. But evidently, if you are salty, that is a good thing. Well, today as we start our study again, as we resume it here in the Gospel of Luke, as we continue into chapter 14, and really we're going to conclude chapter 14, we're going to look at today the salty disciple, the salty Disciple. Today we're going to look at Luke chapter 14, verses 34 and verse 35. Luke chapter 14, today verse 34 and verse 35. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 14, beginning here in verse 34. Now this is Jesus himself who is speaking. He says this, Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for you, and I praise you today. You're my King, my Savior, my Lord. Our hope, if we have any hope, our peace in a world with no peace. And so I set my eyes today upon Jesus Christ. We come now, as we begin to study your word, I pray that you would speak to us and it would be your word and you would lead us and you would teach us, you would train us, your people, through the preaching of your word. I pray for some in this room that, that could not be counted as your disciples because they are not your follower. And I pray that today, again, in the drawing of your spirit and the preaching of your word, that they might put their faith in our Savior, Jesus. I pray that in this hour, you would move, you would work, and it would truly be a supernatural hour. We love you, we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If 
If you notice today in our culture, it is accepted, really uh, accepted, and really might be even popular to be religious. Now, sometimes we think there's this, this push against religion, but really in our culture, it, it is accepted and it's popular to be religious. It's popular to use religious words, and it's, it's popular, and it's even accepted to, to promote religious-sounding ideals, and it's popular to trade on religious values. It is okay. It's even popular to be religious. That's okay today. However, also notice today that it is not accepted and it is not popular to be a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. And be sure this morning, if you want to be ridiculed, if you want to be ostracized, if you want to be shunned, if you want to be observed as unintelligent or ignorant or intolerant, then identify yourself as a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's the reality of the world we live in today. Well, you know what? That's nothing new. In fact, our verses that we're going to look at today, they come in the same context. They were written in a time that religion was esteemed, that religion was popular. And, and in the time when these verses are written, the, the, the context that they come out of, if you wanted to be accepted, if you wanted to excel in the culture, then it was a good thing to be a religious person. But to be a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ in that day as well was something altogether opposite. And yet I want you to notice this. Then and now... Jesus calls for us not to be religious, but he calls for us to be his disciples. Understand that today. He, he calls for us not to be his associates, not for us to be his admirers, not for us to be his supporters, not for us to be spectators, not for us to even be members, but he calls for us to be disciples. That's his call, our call as his followers. And so here's the question today. So are we? So am I? So are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Let's look at our verses today. We're going to begin looking, breaking it down there in verse 34. Verse 34 starts off and it says, therefore, that's an important thing, therefore. It starts off with the word therefore, and so we need to begin, and we need to understand today that, that verse 34, and then also verse 35, follow, and therefore they are tied to the preceding conversation on discipleship. And so if we're going to understand verse 34 and verse 35, we have to understand it is tied to, and it is following the preceding conversation on discipleship. And so it ties them together. And it says, therefore, salt is good. Jesus now, in these last two verses of the chapter, introduces an analogy. He now uses an analogy to, to paint a picture of what he has said about discipleship. He is painting a picture about what he has said about his disciples. Now follow this. It says salt is good. Let me read you the rest of it. Therefore salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? Now follow the analogy here. Follow as it plays out. Therefore salt is good. 
Therefore, salt is good as long as it has the characteristics of saltiness. See the picture here. Salt is good as long as it retains the the characteristics of saltiness. Therefore, when you apply it to the discussion on disciples, he is saying disciples are good as long as they have, as long as they possess, as long as they retain the characteristics of disciples. Now, we have to interpret this by the above teaching. We We have to interpret this by the preceding verses. The Greek words here for loses its saltiness, another translation says loses its savor, but the Greek words here for loses its saltiness, uh, everywhere else in the New Testament, it translates becomes foolish. And so if a disciple loses his saltiness, what does that mean? If a disciple loses his saltiness, it means somehow that disciple has become foolish. Now what does that mean? What does that look like? Remember this. The above verses say this about a disciple. Really, there's two things that we learn in the preceding section about a disciple. And then he ties it in here with these two verses. Remember these two things about a disciple. The first thing about a disciple is this. They have to count the cost of being a disciple. They have to know the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. They have to expect the, the cost of following Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. I believe the saddest thing in our modern day is not only that the cost is not counted, I believe today in the day that we're living in, the cost is misrepresented. And I think we're leading a whole lot of people not to just not count the cost, not to expect the cost. We're misleading them in what the cost truly will be. And today you look around, people say, if, if you follow Jesus Christ, it's going to be awesome. And every day is going to be awesome. And your life's going to be a circus. And there's going to be balloons and there's going to be clowns. And you're going to get all that your heart desires because the favor of the Lord rests upon you. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said it's going to cost you, sister. Jesus said it's going to cost you, brother. In fact, he says it's going to require everything. Read those verses. Nothing is going to be able to be held back. Nothing can be held back. You have to take up your cross. You have to die to yourself to follow me is what Jesus says. A disciple counts the cost. That's the first thing. Second thing, they count the cost. They know the cost. They expect the cost. The second thing, a disciple commits to the cost anyway. A disciple commits to the cost anyway. Let me tell you today, and I'll tell you it's from my personal experience, but if you want to know when you have found a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't know when, a, when you know what this person, they're a sold out follower, they're a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You want to know when you found such a person, it's not going to be in their Facebook post. 
It's not gonna be in stellar church attendance. It's not gonna be in some self-promoting pious attitude. You wanna know when you find a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's when you find a person that knows, you know what, this is gonna change everything. And I can't live the same as I used to live. And this changes my priorities. And this changes my home. And, and more than that, there's going to be some things that, that I have to give up. And there's some things that I, that I desire that I'm going to have to pass over. And some things that I used to chase that I'm going to have to let go of. And, and more than that, I'm going to exist in opposition to the world. And the world's not going to have any use for me. And more than that, I'm going to be an enemy of Satan. And it's going to cost me. And I know the cost. But you know what? In his power, I will do it anyway. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 35. Jesus goes on and he says this, and look at the very first part. It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Now, this salt once it is, has been declared impure, it no longer has its saltiness, Put it in the soil, it kills the soil. You put it in the manure pile, it, it stagnates the, the deterioration of the manure pile. It is good for nothing. And Jesus says it is thrown out. It is useless either, it is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Look at the picture. Look at the analogy. He says if salt loses its saltiness, it is no good. It is useless. In the same analogy, in the picture he's painting it, the same thing would be true, therefore, for a would-be disciple. If the salt loses the characteristics of saltiness, it is thrown out. If a disciple does not possess and does not retain the characteristics that Jesus described, a person who would count the cost and who would commit to the cost anyway, they serve no purpose. Now, that's pretty hard. I want to tell you, that's Jesus' words. Those aren't my words. That's what Jesus says. I said back in October when we were reading the, the first part of this chapter, I said back in October, I believe nothing hurts the cause of Jesus Christ more than half-hearted, half-stepping, half-committed followers of Jesus Christ. And, and you know what? I think I'm going to try to live here and also live in the world and I'm going to try to seek his priority and I'm going to try to chase after some other priority as well. And I believe nothing hurts the cause of Jesus Christ than a half-hearted commitment. In fact, the biblical truth is this. By Jesus' definition, those things cannot exist. A disciple takes up his cross and dies to his agenda and takes up the cause of Jesus Christ and lives for him alone. Look at the last of verse 35. I think it's a big deal. The last of verse 35 says this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that's a, that's a crazy way to end this section, but, but that's what he says. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He, he who has ears to hear this, let him truly hear it. That's a phrase that Jesus uses several times in the, in the scripture, but it means this. Just pay attention. Listen to this. Take this in. Who, he who has an ear and hears this, don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. Pay attention to this. This is a, this is a big deal. That's what Jesus is saying here. You know what? I read that last section and it means this to me. It means, you know what? This is personal. This is for you. This is for me. Jesus says, if you have an ear, hear this. Listen to this. This is 
personal. Now be sure and get this this morning. At Calvary Baptist Church, we are committed, our goal, our purpose, and it comes from God's word, is to make disciples who will make other disciples. That's our mission as a church, to make disciples who will make other disciples. You want to know what's the deal with Calvary Baptist Church? You want to know what's Calvary Baptist Church doing? We exist to make disciples who will make other disciples. Don't mistake that. That's our biblical given purpose. As a church, we encourage it. Yes, you better believe we encourage it. As a church, we, we build programs to help grow disciples. Yes, you be sure of that. As a church, we try to enable it. Yes, we, we provide opportunities for it. Yes, every way that we can, but be very clear today. Listen to me. Discipleship, however, is a personal choice. It is a personal decision. It is a personal commitment. It is personal. He who has the ear, let him hear this today. And I'll tell you, if you will be one and if you will exist as one, the responsibility of that rests not with your parents. It rests not with your spouse. It's not dependent upon your discipleship group leader or who the deacons are or what they're doing or who the pastor is. It doesn't rest ultimately with the church. It rests with you. And if you will be and you won't be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it depends on you. We, I, you, we have to count the cost. We, I, you, we have to commit to the cost knowing what it even is. We, I, you, we have to take up our cross. And we, as individuals, and then together as the church, we follow him as his disciple. Understand, it is personal. You're responsible for your stance and your growth and your commitment to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to leave it right there. You might ask the question, so what do we do then? So what should we do? So I want to end today by giving you three practical steps to be a disciple and to grow, to grow as a disciple that you might make other disciples. And so I've identified three things, three steps, and I, I thought and I thought about it. You know what, if, if I was to tell somebody, here's some things you can do to stand as a disciple and to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you in turn might go make other disciples of Jesus Christ, I came down to these three things. Three things you can do, three steps to do to exist and to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. First thing is this. You commit to Christ. You commit to Christ. Now what that means is you are no longer self-devoted. Now you are self-denying and Christ-devoted. Hear that again. You're no longer self-devoted. Now you're self-denying and Christ-devoted. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that is a daily thing. That is a, a daily process. Be clear, daily you commit to Jesus Christ and your commitment is to him and he is your Lord daily and he is your master daily and he sets the priorities and all things are an outflow of your commitment to Jesus Christ. You commit to Jesus Christ. Some of you here today may need to do this for the very first time. And you're here and you'd say, no, I'm still chasing my priorities set. 
I'm still self-serving and self-devoted and you would come and say, you know what, today I set that down and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I profess him as my Lord. Some of you may need to do that today for the first time. First step, commit to Christ. Second step, you commit to God's word. You commit to God's word. Now what that means is this. You are no longer self-directed, but now you are truth directed, following the truth of God's word. You are no longer self-directed, but now you're truth directed. Now think about these disciples. They walked really with Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They got to talk to him. They got to observe him. They got to see what he did in the pattern of their life. They could ask him questions. Well, today as Christians, we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but we're also blessed with the Word of God. And and I want to tell you today, you cannot grow and you will not grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ if you're not committed to the Word of God, to hear the preached Word of God, to study His Word, to read His Word, to live out His Word. You cannot grow as a disciple of Christ not committed to the Word of God. Commit to the Word of God. Third thing is this. Maybe you didn't expect it, but it's this. Commit to a local New Testament church. And I mean by every sense of the word, you commit to Jesus Christ. It's not a half-hearted commitment. You commit to the word of God. This is the truth that's going to direct my path. You commit to, in the same way, a local New Testament church. And when you do, you're no longer self-serving but you're now Christ's cause serving. You're now Christ's body serving. You no longer toil and work for your cause, but through his body, you take up his cause. And I'll just tell you today, if you'll commit to a local New Testament church, you're gonna grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're gonna be encouraged and you're gonna be strengthened and sometimes you might even be corrected and you're gonna find opportunities for service and you will grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Commit to your local New Testament church. Jesus ends by saying this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, they need to hear this. I hope they were listening. No, it is personal. What about you? What about me? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful that in two verses at the conclusion of chapter 14, you tell us what's expected of a disciple of Jesus Christ. You tell us that that anything less than that's not useful to your cause It's not useful to your name. And you tell us that that you didn't call us just to be a member of a church, but to be a disciple of Christ. Pray that we would uphold that standard. Pray that we would tell that standard. You, You spoke, it wasn't us. Pray that you'd forgive us where we've dropped off from that standard. 
But more than anything today, I pray that if you'll find a people that will encourage by the Spirit of God that lives inside them and driven by the Word of God and their commitment to Christ, as you find a people that will exist as disciples, that you would bless them and that you would multiply them and that you would use them. And, and Vernon, Texas, as they, as they spin around in darkness, that they would see the light of Jesus Christ and then it would spread to a bigger area and spread to a bigger area and would go to the furthest corners of this world that disciples of Jesus Christ carrying your mission would exist for your glory serve your purpose until you come again use us for that I pray for some in this hour that do not have a relationship with Christ I pray that today again as you've spoken to them as you draw them in your spirit that they would put their faith in Christ today settle that today remove any hindrance for that today we come and we tell you we love you our example who counted and knew and expected the cost and yet endured it anyway, who knew the cost and came and died on a cross for me anyway. Thank you. I praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.